Greetings and salutations. It is a great honor to be in the presence of so many juvescent ripe minds. Don't forget to feed your Tamagotchi, grab a couple of Sudokus, and snuggle up with us. In this episode, we will be examining two compelling feature films, Alpha, Gentleman Broncos, and Beta. And if I sound a bit off today, I've got a dose of the Coronas. So mm. <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to... Anyway, we're going to do it in that order, I hope, so that you can... You can explain yourself for a while <laughs> while I while I snort in uh, yeah. derision. Okay, yeah, this is this is the first time we've done one of these popcorn double features, uh, which the uh, the sort of loose um, label to this could be uh, low budget comedy. Although the fact is that uh, that uh, Gentleman Broncos wasn't actually low budget at all. Just I looks discovered. it. It just looks it exactly. <laughs> Uh, two films, um, a bit over ten years apart, and uh, and very, very, very different. Except that they've both kind of become, uh, well, Clark's was a was a success to start with, but they've they've both kind of become cult classics. Yeah, well, Clark's has became a favourite uh, mm-hmm. for for a certain part of the audience, uh, and has remained so. I think, even having mm-hmm. two a couple of sequels, don't know about. Gentleman Broncos. Don't know how well known it is. Uh, it was new to me when you proposed it for for this, and mm. now I uh, now I know what well, it's like. Yeah, Gentleman Broncos. To to uh, to begin with, explaining myself, as I kind of better. suspected I was going to have to. Oh yeah, <laughs> Gentleman Broncos was um, made on a on a budget of ten million dollars. And I think at the box office it brought in $118,192, at which point it was taken out of the theatres. Yeah. That's a pretty serious bath. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you consider also <laughs> there was a very, very intensive marketing campaign that led up to it. Yeah. And um, what, is, uh, what is kind of interesting, though, is that it should have been the kind of movie, you know, with a, with a disaster like that, it should have disappeared from view forevermore. And it kind of hasn't. And it has got this sort of quirky cult following, and I can understand why. No, you're going to have to explain why you in particular do. I can, okay. I can maybe let, guess let why just, some people do, but... Yeah. Let, 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 let me just start by saying that I think, uh, you know, usually we, we talk about films that have been out and in circulation for a, a long time. And so we give you a synopsis of the plot. I think if you would agree with me that we maybe shouldn't do that this time. Well, you know. No, not, I, not a direct synopsis, because there's still a lot of uh, surprises in there. The, uh, and I think there are still probably people out there who haven't seen these movies. You know, I think the, uh, the, the ending of the ending of Gentleman Broncos is absolutely obvious. Right, you mm. know, I mean, nobody's going to be surprised at a twist in the tail there because they're, you know, it's, it's, yeah, everybody can see it coming. The theme of it is about a, what, 15 year old boy or something like that mm-hmm. uh, who's written some science fiction and has it stolen by a washed up science fiction writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, and he gets it published. 
under his own under his own name. He's mm. formally successful and just a, and but can't can't do, produce anything decent anymore. And the you know the the climax of that movie is you know well, it's redemption through yeah trying harder as usual. But the and there's and there's another plot to it where it's uh, sort of stolen by some video making hacks. That's that's it. That's the story. But I mean, this, yeah. the that's basically the plot. It. The plot doesn't matter. What's what's there? Uh, what what matters is whether or not you are entertained by it. What mm-hmm. kind of entertainment does it have? Yeah. Well, what it has is um, is a, a selection of these. Uh, it's a celebration of these wonderfully weird characters. Hmm. Um, particularly the 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 hack science fiction writer has some of the most amazing uh, one-liners and expressions and and sort of expressions of, of sheer pretentiousness, which you don't see coming. Yes, but aren't um, funny. Yeah, but, uh, you know, that's that was the thing that made me laugh out loud at they it. Did. I first saw this film on television in Brazil, mm-hmm. amazingly. <laughs> I was there on tour with the orchestra. It was the last day of the tour, and I turned on the TV to accompany my uh, packing my suitcase, basically. And um, I think listeners to this show must have realized by now that there is nothing I love more than turning on the TV and thinking, what the actual fuck is this? I live for this moment. And uh, and this this movie provided me with that in big doses, particularly if you don't quite start it from the beginning. <laughs> mm-hmm. I sat down uh, with my colleague and watched it, and uh, after about five minutes, we said, "This is genius. This is absolute sheer genius." <laughs> hmm. I I loved all of these these incredibly bizarre characters in it. Uh, I loved a lot of the lot of the um, the writing of the, the the kind of script and the the lines that these people come out with, which are you know can can I could imagine how this would become a cult film with people quoting bits out of it. Hmm. And uh, ev- everything's strange. It's set in Utah, probably. Yes, but being strange isn't necessarily worth watching. My problem with it is is incredibly slow paced. The they it's it's as though they're pausing for laughs in front of a live audience, and the laughs don't come. And, and everything's uh, like badly written and overplayed. Hmm. I mean the the jokes themselves. So we have a long sequence where the uh, where the hack writer is teaching a class, hmm. and uh, he's he's. He's asking his uh, students in the class for some uh, example character names. And then he improves those character names by changing the endings of the names. And this Mm. just goes on and on. Um, And it didn't make me even smile. I mean, honestly, the only Mm. thing that actually made me laugh out loud was Mm -hmm. when Bronco was sewing his gonad back on. And you could see the big thread, and he was pulling his arm. So that was just visual humor. And he's going, "Ow, ow!" Oh, that that made me laugh. But you know, I mean, that's that's a sort of um, 
Mm. Uh, you know, that, that's a sort of um, Three Stooges kind of haunt, uh, comedy. Mm. Uh, the, you know, the, the our, our hero, this, uh, this nerdy teenager, I don't know, fails to amuse me at any point. Mm. Well, I don't know. I don't it, think... it, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem to aim successfully for, for any particular mm. type of humor and, and hit the mark. Well, in a in a sense, the, uh, the 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 teenager hero, he's the he's kind of the straight man throughout all of this. Mm-hmm. What I found wonderful about the movie was that it was a way that it's a it's a celebration of strangeness. You said that already. Yeah. It. Um, it that in particular, I I find so obvious um, that it's trying too hard. You know, you've got the uh, the homeschooler, um, evangelical mm-hmm. Christian household, uh, you know, with paintings of Jesus on the wall. And it's so clear that we're supposed to find them strange but lovable. And, yeah. eh, you know, they're, they're not or, or the that fact interesting. that, um, you know, there's this... There's this absolutely bizarre character called uh, called Dusty, who's introduced as uh, you know, this is your guardian angel. And actually, after a couple of times of watching you, the movie, you kind of think, well, maybe he, maybe he is his guardian angel. Well, maybe you, you know, did because because he does actually always act in the kid's best interest. Yeah. And there's, uh, there's, there's, there, there are one or two obvious points, like he's always wearing white. And he drives one of the strangest Subarus ever made, which is also white. But the shooting his mother and saying, your mother's so hot, I don't think that's guardian angel and looking after his best interest. Well, I think you can't always choose your guardian angel. I think that's the... <laughs> he didn't. It. <laughs> I mean, he was, he's, he's chosen for his, his weirdo looks, uh, his glorious hair and... and, and Pulling that, pulling that look with his face to show his front teeth all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, if you uh, like this I mean, kind of humor, I love the fact that um, you know when we uh, when we get we start out reading. Um, hold on, we should stop calling him the kid and give him his real name, uh, Benjamin. When we start reading Benjamin's version of uh, the book, which he's written, which is called Yeast Lords. Um, he, um, years. East Lord we get the Bronco a, years. we, sorry, Yeast Lord, the Bronco years, wasn't it? There was Yeast a Lord, Yeast Lord, ah, God, ah. Yeast Lords, the Bronco years. Yes. We, uh, we start reading that over his shoulder for a bit and, um, the scene sort of dissolves into, into his imagination of a film version of the, the text or somebody's, which has, um, uh, the character, the, the, the hero is, is, is based on his father. Yep. Who obviously, uh, speaks with, with quite a strong accent. And, uh, and then as, uh, as his work is purloined by Ronald Chevalier, uh, we suddenly get this other version of, uh, other filmed version of the text which uh, is is with a completely, in a very camp version of the hero, which I thought was quite clever. Mm-hmm. 
and then we get the actual filmed version, which um, which is uh, which is two uh, friends uh, eventually uh, make of the movie. And they both, yeah. Um, so this is basically another two characters who who essentially stole the script because they gave him a post-dated check, post-dated check mm-hmm. for it. And this check is post-dated by a whole year, so he's never going to get the money. And mm. they made a, a version of it with acting in it that was probably a, supposed to be worse than the acting in, in Gentleman Broncos itself. Mm. And we've got three levels there, haven't we? We've got the acting yeah. of the characters in Gentleman Broncos, which is, sorry, of the... Yes, of the characters in general, like, like what was his name again? You tell me, Raymond, and yes, his mom, uh, and, Raymond Chevalier. Yeah, um, and and which is extremely weird and hammy, and um, obviously done so for for comedic effect. And <clears throat> the and then we got the the acting in the imagined movie versions, and then we got the imag- huh. the acting in the. And what looks like it's being shot on VHS uh, yes. by these two <laughs> friends, and I, I, I guess the acting in all of these is different, but the uh, the one in the VHS version is supposed to be the worst. And certainly, the uh, the effects on the VHS version are the worst. Yeah, maybe. I mean, they're pretty bad mm. in all of them. No, the yeah. No. Well, they're supposed they're kind of supposed to be bad. It's, yes. Um, and that's a kind that's a kind of humor that's that's hard to pull off if you're if you're yeah. going going for you know a barf that takes about fifteen seconds and projects um you know twenty or thirty meters that's a kind of humor that needs to be done quite well or it's not very funny it just looks like yeah. what it looks like I don't know it didn't work for me yeah well uh are you in any way familiar with Ed Wood? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's Ed Wood movies. I've seen a couple of those, like Plan 9 uh-huh. from Outer Space. Or, yeah, but and, did, did you see the, uh, the movie Ed Wood with Johnny Depp? Yeah, yeah I saw that, oh. which had some funny bits. Unfortunately, it's got Johnny Depp all over it, which is uh, sometimes, well, sometimes a problem and certainly isn't that movie. I don't know. I thought he was the only person in that movie actually attempting um not to not to deliberately make the real person that he was portraying look bad it's an affectionate parody rather sure. than my complaint satire. with with his performance is that it's more johnny depp than ed wood hmm. which is fairly typical for johnny depp of course i don't know not I always don't the case i quite but... agree with that but um it was interesting that uh when we, because uh, the other week we did, uh, we did a uh, book by Mark Fisher, hmm. and there's a an interview in there with John Fox, where he talks a little bit about uh, about Ed Wood, and I'm going to try and uh, read this here. So he says, but um, that very crude improvisational amateurish side of cinema or filmmaking, I continue to find deeply fascinating. Take, for for example, Ed Wood's films. He made them simply because he was in a place where it could be done. I think of Ed Wood as a sort of advanced, naive artist. 
He was among the first to make cut-up movies. He achieved this by using props he came across in the warehouses and stock footage he discovered in the film vaults of Hollywood cutting rooms. Then he built movies around these fragments. This is the art of collage and sampling. It is not uh, as found object, as coincidence, as accident, as surrealism, as dada, as situationalism. All made possible and motivated also by the dynamo of American opportunism, but with great love and inadequacy and tenderness. Ed Wood was doing 50 years ago what the avant-garde are only now beginning to do with film. Yes, and that's that's partly valid. There's a couple of points there, certainly the last one that I would disagree with, but the, uh, the difference between Ed Wood and... Uh, situationist is that is that uh, is is the difference between uh, an improvisation with what you can do in this particular situation, you know, making the improvisation as in making uh, what's what's feasible in your situation, versus mm. uh, trying to produce a certain effect for an audience that's going to be confusing. It's not necessarily the case that that Edward was trying to 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 be that but i but I, there's a bigger point here mm. um which is yes the the general idea that he's got there about edward and he had the opportunity to make these movies somehow got enough money together and got them finished and they're still around that's sort mm. of amazing that doesn't translate very well to gentleman broncos a movie that was put together uh with a uh, with a studio system with a big budget, um, mm-hmm. very deliberately. Yeah. Um, it turned out the way its filmmakers wanted and was under control. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Somehow they did manage to make the film they wanted, which was not the film that the studio would have wanted. Well, the stu- studio put it on. I mean, they they embarrassed uh. themselves by putting it out there. They were just even more well they they put it out there but uh, but the audience reaction well i guess the critics reaction the audience reaction together the critics reaction was terrible yeah, yeah. Uh, was uh, i guess that was part of it but i mean the critics reaction would be one thing if it was actually selling but i guess it wasn't but uh, but like i said it's uh, it's continued to to fascinate people it's uh... some people <laughs> I think, um, okay, the title sequence is fantastic. Remind me. With, the, well, with all, the, all the covers of science fiction books. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. That was nice. Yeah, yes. that's, that's, that's really, really well done. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so what we're describing there is a whole series of very pulpy uh, science fiction uh, cover arts, and, and science fiction cover arts have been... Pulp science fiction cover arts have been awesome over the years, and they're they're a great source of humor and and possible um, possibilities for satire. But that that also that also points again. I keep finding uh, evidence of sort of uh, of uh, affectionate parody, and that is certainly one. Yes, I mean the the story uh, that uh, our child hero. What's his name again? Benjamin. Benjamin. The story that Benjamin writes sounds pretty good. Mm. And this is especially obvious in the context of the other stories that, uh, that, 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 get, that we are, get some samples of the text from. His text is good. 
whether or not the mm. story entertains you is a different matter, but his writing is good, no doubt about it. Uh, so they're being uh, perfectly they're being perfectly reasonable towards science fiction, and you know, and the, and the people at the science fiction conventions mm. are really uh, you know the the fans that show up are are really not that much more weird than the fans that show up to real sci-fi cons. Mm. In fact, they're exactly like them, as far as I could tell. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, no, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's not it's not uh, being mean to sci science fiction at all. No, I don't think it's trying. Mm. I mean, it's definitely trying to be a very nice family movie with some with some crude Monty Python style visual mm. humor in it. You know, I mean, all this no. stuff, all this stuff with gonads in jars. Do you know? I think. Um... That house that he's living in, which seems to be a geodesic sphere, um, I think I saw that on some show on Netflix getting remodeled. <laughs> mm, yeah, I'm sure that would make for great TV, remodeling. That yeah, house. well, I, I have, uh, my daughter's got a habit of uh, of feeding my, my thirst for... My my raging hunger for bad television. So she, um, yeah, she got me to watch one of these shows the other day, and I'm pretty sure uh, a remodeling of one of of a house that looked very like that was part of it. Well, I don't know. I haven't watched it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he lives in a geodesic uh, dome. There's a bit where he he's picking up the mail, and he he's. He picks it up in some eight-wheeled contrivance. <laughs> yes, that was a bit surprising. You know, uh, an eight-wheeler an, an eight little buggy, uh, like you haven't yeah, seen since an old... That, and it never appears anywhere else in the movie. Actually, so it does. <laughs> you know, it does, because uh, does in, the, in the ending, uh, on the final um, sort of rendering of the sci-fi story itself, uh -huh. uh, some of the... Cyclopses, the villains, you know, the, the guys that need to get oh, shot, right, are yes. moving around in buggies like that. And one of them, I think, has was probably the same vehicle but painted gold. Uh, and the soundtrack is really fun. Uh, parts of it are, yes. The the <laughs> the one for the closing titles, uh, "Carry On My Wayward Son." <laughs> oh yes, uh, Kansas. Yes. <laughs> so there's uh, a, that a always to... makes me laugh. <laughs> It yeah. really does. There's a, there's a link to the... Uh, somebody's put together a playlist uh, on Spotify, and I've put a link to that on the uh, on the uh, Substack page. Yes. Oh, well, if you want that song, there's a YouTube... There's a video uh, that... I mean, we call it a YouTube video these days, but it's on, there's a video on YouTube which uh -huh. is of a live performance of that song, which is hilarious. It just really yes, yes. Um, they've got somebody on the stage there who who doesn't appear to do anything apart from occasionally hit a cowbell, uh, as he uh. would in those days, and 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 look decorative with the most amazingly red hair and beard. That's about ten times the size <laughs> of the guy. It, <laughs> I just can't get enough of looking at this ape. <laughs> right. Well, uh, please, please put that on the Substack page because oh, that's sure. uh, we need stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Should we move on then from my uh, celebration of strangeness? Oh yes, please. To okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're gonna. Have I don't to know if I've, if I've I certainly never managed to convince Carry you. I don't know if I've... <laughs> Sorry, there we go.
And even the opening <laughs> harmonies make a, just make me laugh as well. It's just the whole thing such a giggle. Right, there's your, you've got to have to watch, just at least look at that picture. Oh, God. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, nothing like that would ever exist in music today, would it? <laughs> no. It's no, kind of no, sad. No. Oh, my word. <laughs> I mean, it's basically prog rock with a number of <laughs> tempo changes just and right, chord he's changes. doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's there he's there kind of male, oh, wow. male decorative dancer on stage I'll, I'll i'll enjoy that at a later date but pretty tight band for live dang yes yes yeah you can uh, you can put them in uh you can put that on the substack i can't be bothered yeah 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 <laughs> <clears throat> Oh, I think it, well, it's possible that they edited it to a, a studio recording. I don't know. Uh, I would have to mm. really check. Yeah, it. back in the day, yeah. yeah. But no, some some wonderfully chosen music. Um, Black Sabbath, Paranoid. Yeah, I um, don't really understand why that choice was in there. Yeah, well, um, there. in the year twenty five twenty five, which which is so strange, isn't it? <laughs> that 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 song always makes me feel weird. And, uh, you know, the double guitar, str- acoustic guitar strumming that goes through the yeah. whole thing. <laughs> Just goes on. Uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, the wonderful way that it's sort of um, accompanying an aerial battle of, like, armed stags. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was also the music for the uh, for the opening titles, you know, that, that montage yes. of... Uh, yeah. When you when you switch that on in a hotel room in Brazil and you're not expecting it, oh, it makes quite an impression. Okay. So, our second movie, after we've sold some chock ices here, had a budget of $27,575. Yeah. Which the, uh, the director got together mostly by maxing it, by applying for a series of credit cards and maxing them out. Yes, borrowing from friends. Uh, also, the savings for, he'd made from paychecks for actually working in the shop that features in the film. Ah, I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, or based on what I read there. Uh, he he'd actually worked in in the what was it called the quick the um, quick groceries. Quick groceries. Yeah, is that what it's called? Yes, quick groceries. Yeah, yeah. So the actual location is a real grocery store that still exists. The via, the, the video store is gone because video stores have all gone. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but it's still there and looks about the same, except it's in color. Uh, it's in, it's in New color Jersey, now. is it? Yeah. Okay. And uh, it made, I mean, this, uh, this film was made so cheaply, it was made in black and white, not because of some great sort of, uh, you know, European art reference, but because that was cheaper. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was uh, Kodak Triax they used on that 16 millimeter. It's 16, okay. and they only had one camera, and it shows. Uh, Have you noticed this? Yeah, yes, it really shows. Because um, anyway, I, I, the movie is called uh, Clark's, and if you don't know it, then just go ahead and watch it because it's hilarious. It's also yeah. quite an unusual movie in in some rem- in some respect regards. Some of the acting is. Very unusual, but actually very effective. Uh, yeah. Some of the script is quite bizarre, but still a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. The camera work uh, is is quite startling in 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 many ways, and 
enjoyable. Mm. The soundtrack is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. uh, it's good 90s punk rock, you know, the, uh, the kind of, yeah, the tough stuff from back then. It was uh, including a, a punk rock version of Go Your Own Way by Fleetwood Mac. Uh, there's a, which I think it comes on the radio and I'm like, that's surprising. Uh, Why have they got, oh, and then you realize it's a different version, but it's actually quite, uh, quite yeah. true to the original. Uh, yeah, it's a good song for cover versions. Turns out who'd have known. Hmm. I saw it, I don't know, many, many years ago and thought it was hilarious and yeah. just a, in good taste in general. Yeah. It's, it's very strange that uh, I think both of these movies I saw on television mm -hmm. rather than in uh, a theatre. Yeah. Well, it's, I, don't, I don't know what it would have been for me, but I, I mean, I have a, I have a hundred inch projection at home anyway, so it's not quite okay. like watching yeah. TV. And I haven't been to a cinema in a long time since I, I mean, here in the US, you don't get to buy beer at the cinema anyway, so then you don't get to pause it to go to the bathroom. So it just seems like a much better option to stay home. Actually, one would seem to cancel out the other. Right, but I want yeah, to drink you know, a beer. Yeah, you know, if you don't get to buy beer, why do you need to go to the bathroom? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> or, or just, to, just uh, to stop and get a snack. Yeah, I... Um, in uh, having, this, pe this having people around you that, that shush you when you do when you talk to somebody, it's just annoying oh. as well. Well, the, but the, this is uh, Tom. This is coming back. I mean, um, actually, when when Not I first arrived in Portugal in the early nineties, they had even in normal length movies they had a break in the middle so that you could you know go outside and smoke, so, uh, so um, that you can go and buy something. Yeah, probably, but. Um, uh, now that a lot of movies are are sort of clocking in at the three hour mark, they've uh, they have actually started slowly reinstating these pauses. So you know you might be in luck. Yeah, and uh, you can always bring your own beer. God, no, you can't. Not to an American. You can't even bring your own food to an American a movie theater. They'll Do they search out. you. Yeah. <sighs> no, it's ghastly here. I hate the cinema. Mm. No, I, I, I still go. I, I still go because I, I think that you know somebody's well, going to. We know that you love. Up. We know that you love traditions, and uh, you think going to the cinema. Blah, 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 blah. Yes, we know. <laughs> anyway, what? It's true. You've said it before. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you still um, listen to vinyl because it seems like the right way to do it. You like these old things. Probably just because I grew up doing it, but uh, but that's what I'm saying. Seeing a movie in the on the on the big screen in a big hall that's that is something different, I think. And I would be sorry if that wasn't there. Yeah, I can accept that. Back to our movie. In a way, uh, it follows on from. Because this is 1994, it follows on from a movie called by uh, Richard Linklater called Slackers, made in 1990. Yeah? Yeah, a bit. Uh -huh. What's that like? Oh, it's great. You've never seen it? I'm not sure. doesn't uh, ring a bell. Well, uh, it's kind of, you know, in the... Okay, points of similarity. It's set over one day, rather like this movie is. Mm-hmm. And uh, whereas this movie always stays more or less in the same place... Yep. 
Uh, in Slackers, you follow one person until they meet another person, and then you usually go off with the other person, and so you, you move around a, a, a small geographical area. Okay, so you get to meet a number of Slackers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we do in, in this film. <gasps> yes, in, but, in it's, Clarks. but it's but it remains centred on, on, on the friendship of two people. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, um, and the way that they are, um, in a way, I suppose it's even maybe a little bit like waiting for Godot, because they're both chained to these stores. Ah, uh, yeah. There's yeah. a slight sort of, yeah, there is a sort of bit of Beckett in there. Yes, it doesn't have the, and it does have the self-referential nature of, uh, of Godot, and it doesn't have quite the level of, yeah, it does actually have quite the level of doom, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, and uh, and also they uh, they meet this uh, they meet this this wide panoply of uh, uh, people who, in their own way, are trapped into into certain circles of behaviour, more or less. Um, there's yeah, a lot of them. The, the, the guy who's who's like you know examining each carton of eggs. Right. There's yes, we've got we've got a couple well so let's let's break this down. We got Dante wakes up for some reason upside down in a closet uh on a, a Saturday morning, is it? I don't know. It doesn't in the morning, early. Yeah. Uh when the telephone is ringing, uh his boss who never appears, we never see and we never even hear his voice, um mm. asks him to open the store. And he says, It's supposed yeah. to be my day off. I'm playing hockey today. Um, and he, anyway, he begs him, begs the, 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 um, the boss persuades him. Yeah. The, the dog is occupying the bed and, 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 and Dante is, is occupying the closet and that's, that's never explained. Um, yeah. but the, <clears throat> anyway, he, so he goes to work, he op he opens the store and he sets up. So we've got then the day of work and then, uh, then at noon as the, uh, the, the, the boss had clearly, promised to the boss had promised to show up at noon and take over so he'll have his afternoon free uh mm. that doesn't happen so he's stuck looking after the store all day uh turns yeah. out that the boss has in fact left and gone to vermont for the weekend or something yeah you see waiting for Godot. yes yes <laughs> anyway we'll, we'll come back to this in a little bit but then we have a a sequence of bizarre encounters with customers these customers are sort of all presented a little bit from the point of view of somebody behind the register, mm. which is an interesting place to be because the person behind the register is, as they point out explicitly towards the end of this movie, by definition, a loser. Mm. But, the position, but that position has a certain authority within the domain of that store. Mm -hmm. um, and this then provides the the opportunity for uh, for the individual behind the register to elevate themselves in their own psychology mm. to somehow better than these loser customers. But basically, what you've got here is people are coming in for a coffee and a newspaper and a pack of cigarettes or whatever, and going out. Mm. It's a it's a it's a convenience store. What do you want? Mm -hmm. I'm just doing my shopping. This is a transaction. Whereas the 
person working there takes the opportunity to think of themselves as superior to all of these people. Now, we do have our weirdos, of course. There's somebody who, who gets really weird with the eggs. But, and there's, some, there's a woman who gets really weird with the, with the jugs of milk. So she wants, she's looking for the one that's got another day of expiration or something on it. Yeah, the, the oldest date of expiration. Although that strikes me as something that probably happens. Oh, it does. In real life. Yeah. Have you never done uh, it yourself? I, I've seen people do stuff like that, whereas the thing with the eggs is just bizarre. <laughs> yes. Uh, examining, But people do examine eggs because they want to see that, that none of them are cracked. But none of them are broken. I do yeah. that as well. Yeah. And do you mm. and uh, and do you never sort of like look through the through the packs of meat or vegetables or what? Uh, what? Yeah, especially true with meat, but you don't buy so much of that. And some of them might have a date that's uh, that's a day or two further f further in the future. Uh, so mm. why not buy I one? I don't of really those? do that. No. <laughs> I've done it myself. I don't. I don't do it very often. But I I can remember doing it when I was younger and had less money. So these are these are actually not necessarily all that weird and not necessarily causing all that much trouble. The point here is, as Randall, the friend who's operating the, uh, the video store next door that's owned by the yes. same thing, right, um, uh, is that you don't, you're the loser here. It's feeling superior to and being mean to the customers that come into your store is a, a, you know, a radical piece of nonsense. That's, well, that's, one, of the, um, that's one of the themes the throughout this, this whole thing. There's, there's also the thing that, um, that Dante always, always puts himself in the role of the victim. Always. Yes, he's very... Throughout the entire part. thing. And uh, he's also... Uh, the, the bubble that gets burst at the end by Randall is the thing where, where he says that Dante has basically been pretending that the entire world would stop if he wasn't behind the counter of this convenience store. Yes, <laughs> And, and actually, you know, he could have just told the boss to fuck himself and left it locked. <laughs> yes, he could have. And that's, ra that's rather obvious right at the start. It's like, I'm just the, you know, I'm just a, I'm just a clerk in this store. I, I, you know, I, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a minimum wage job if, if you even manage to get that. So why would yeah. I go and open the store for you? you know, give me a bonus yeah. or something at least. But, Randall, but, but Dante never does that and never even no. thinks to ask for it. He's, he, he enjoys his victimhood. Yeah. Um, incidentally, there was a suggestion that, um, uh, well, for a start, there was an alternative ending to this. Yes. Uh, initially, a much darker one where he was supposed to get shot. Did you watch it? Uh, no, no, I haven't. It doesn't add anything. No. Uh, except the uh, the thing is that his constant refrain of i wasn't supposed to be i uh, wasn't supposed to come in today yeah uh is supposed uh, apparently somebody's worked out that this might be a reference to do the right thing yeah maybe where mookie is wasn't supposed to come in that day yeah yeah so that whether it is or not, I don't know. Whether it was conscious or whether it was just some film buff spotted it. <laughs> yeah, but the other the other way in which Dante is such a loser is that he, he he can't appreciate Veronica. No, exactly, yeah. Yeah, he's got two girlfriends in, in this film. Uh, Veronica is his current girlfriend, who's awfully sweet, and uh, they seem to get along quite nicely, at least at, 
at uh-huh. the beginning, uh, where he's doing her nails for her. Um, uh, they're having a chit chat, and then they have a bit of an argument about prior sexual uh, experiences prior to their relationship, <laughs> in which Dante uh, uh, says that he's had uh, 12, and Veronica then says, oh, only three. And, and and so Dante feels okay about this. All right, fine. So his his sense of manhood is 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 feeling mm. all right for the moment <laughs> until she realize until he finds out. I can't remember exactly the wording here uh, that um, that Veronica doesn't count a blowjob. Uh, that this yeah, isn't. And she's done thirty six of them. This <laughs> yes. is very interesting. That this that this actually predates the whole uh, like Clinton impeachment, isn't it? Yes. The, uh, <laughs> The uh, uh, 36 of them. I think it was 36 different guys. So there could have been yeah. more of them. <laughs> yeah. So, and, 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 and Dante just can't get over it. I mean, for the rest of the movie, <laughs> he can't get over it, uh, which is, um, which is rather pathetic. But the, mm. uh, but, but Dante is, he, he can't, I mean, it, Veronica is, is sweet to him by trying to persuade him to, you know, come on, get out of this job, go back to college, go, go to college, get an education. Ooh. She is enrolled in some, was it a community college? I, I don't know, actually. It yeah, was, but she's like going that, to class. Yeah. And, you know, they, she, can't, she can't see him until after, after she gets back from class and then gets, gets changed and everything. Anyway, it's quite late in the evening after she, when she'll be ready. Uh, so that's part of the script. And then during the day, she has a break and she brings him in a lasagna for his lunch or his dinner or something. Mm. Anyway, you know, she's she's supporting him. She's a she's a good girl or a, you know, she's loving. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's this whole other story about his former girlfriend, who was, in fact, his high school sweetheart, who think was mostly a high school crush, whom he did have a girlfriend boyfriend relationship with. But. She wasn't loyal to him during that uh, relationship. She was yeah. banging other people uh, du- uh, during it as well. And this, this is one of the things that comes. Despite all of this, uh, what's her name? Caitlin? So don't mm-hmm. get that right. Anyway, so sh- she actually shows up later in the movie. Caitlin Bree, yes. Yeah, she shows up later in the movie and, and makes a move on, uh, on Dante. Uh, and Dante is immediately ready to drop Veronica um, mm-hmm. and and go off with, <laughs> with, yeah. with Caitlin. Maybe we shouldn't, of all the things that we're, we're going to reveal, we maybe shouldn't reveal how this all goes wrong because it is such a spectacular coup de theatre. Yes, and, yes. Uh, I, I mean, I was, uh, I, I was absolutely gobsmacked the first time I saw it. But yeah. Somebody could actually think of something like that and then bring it to celluloid. I was, <laughs> I was speechless. It's actually very good act, very well acted sequence as well. It is. <laughs> There's the the whole the whole sequence where where Caitlin exits the uh, exits the bathroom oh and my uh, God, yeah. uh, <laughs> and then stands there with the other two uh, slowly and, they, and together they all slowly figure out what must have happened. Yeah. Oh my word. That is very very funny. Then, then in the meantime, whilst uh, whilst Dante in, in behind the counter in the <clears> convenience store has come to the realization that he really loves Veronica, uh, just down two doors down in the video store, Randall is explaining to Veronica. <laughs> <laughs> 
that uh, <laughs> that uh, that actually he 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 doesn't really love her and he's he he's wants gonna to dump her. get together with Caitlin. Yeah, yeah, and, and um, yeah, Sam Kinison once said, "You got to watch out for your buddies because they're the ones who let you piss in your suitcase." And then the next morning they'll say, hey, do you remember when you were so drunk last night and you pissed in your suitcase? It's like, yeah, no, but I'd like to thank you all for letting me do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, and, and Veronica's response to this is one of my favorite uh, bits of the whole movie, is uh, she goes off on, um, uh, yeah. on Dante, on, on Dante. In, the, yeah. in the grocery store. And <laughs> smacks him to the ground, and he's and and their conversation at this point. This is single camera stuff, but it's done as mm. done as a uh, like a stage play with the two having it out, and it's a cool, very cool bit of script. And the camera is just artfully moved from one close shot to another just by panning mm. it. Mm. Uh, and I think that works very, very nicely. Uh, there's this, there's this technique that's typically used in movies and in TV, where you know the two the the two people having a conversation are basically mm -hmm. shot separately, and then you edit it together, mm -hmm. and they might not even be in the same room. Uh, you know, they might not be photographed on the same day. But this this thing of cutting from one head to another head and a different shot. Mm. Uh, I, it bothers me off very, very often. Why not just get, go back a bit and have real actors act for a bit? You know, you can fit mm. two heads in. You can fit two heads into one frame. Into Come the same on. shot, yeah. But I don't know. Directors <sighs> don't seem to like to do that. Anyway, this worked well because you got close shots. And it was the same technique they used in the, in the car while driving to the, uh, to mm. the funeral. Because uh, the camera was yes. in the back seat of the car with the with the two guys in the front. This was the short, yeah. the one short excursion that they made away from the shop. Oh, funny that we talked about do the right thing because just now, when you say that, I think there's a lot of shots in do the right thing that work the same way with the camera movements. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think you. I I, right. I only say this because I saw it. Um, Quite recently, actually, in this summer. That was Spike Lee's uh, second movie, was it? Uh, second big one. Let's see. She's got to have some? it, which I really didn't like. Yeah, that was the first. Uh, yes, I, I think, think it, it might was have the second been. big one. Yeah, or you know, yeah. feature. Um, it's uh, do the right thing is nineteen eighty nine. So yeah, I so think it might have been. So it's possible he was working with uh, limited cameras as well. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. It felt uh, felt. Quite like a, you could imagine it on stage, actually, yes. seeing yeah. it this time. I mean, both I mean like, I, I saw it when it came out, and uh, and I was very, very impressed by it. But um, seeing it again, uh, I I found it easier to imagine as a theatre piece, put it that way. You mean, uh, do the right thing? Do the right thing, yeah. Yes, I think a lot of it could work that way. Um, some of the Some of the tricks in the movie are very cinematic. There's the the camera movements towards people's faces as they as they're doing their uh racist denunciations. Yeah. Those are a yeah. very powerful moment in the movie. That would be different without a camera. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, well you could lot, you could a lot do of that with, the, with people standing on different parts of the stage and just illuminating them with a the spot. I'm not saying it wouldn't be good, but it would be different. 
yeah. but okay. they but the close the close look of the the of the you know you know what I mean uh, the uh, yeah. but but the whole thing do the right thing is is like it's done on a on a set where you're just moving from a few different lo uh, through a few different yeah, locations exactly. on a set because the because that particular street block feels like the stage mm. set doesn't it yeah yeah and um in the same way i mean we go there's uh, uh clerks uh moves from the two stores uh at one stage it goes up onto the roof of the uh, the little block of, of stores uh we make kind of one excursion to a funeral home yeah, which we don't actually get inside. We only we don't get inside it. Look we only get the, the exterior, but it's yeah. a, it's a that's another great moment. Yeah, uh, and apart from that, it is it is in a it is also in a very sort of claustrophobic uh, area. That's one of the that's one of the effects of uh, of the film that I find pretty interesting. Is that yeah, uh -huh. you've got most of it is inside one or the other of these two shops, and they are real convenience stores and, uh, and a video rental store, they are small. Um, yeah. So a lot of it is uh, is shot from the same angle. So you've got a camera position here looking at the, uh, you know, looking at the counter with the guys behind the register. Mm -hmm. uh, and we just, just get that sort of all the way through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's fun. It would actually be pretty to do, pretty easy to do that as a theatre piece. Yes. Prob I would say probably more than do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you could actually do that. Coming back to the dramatic themes, mm -hmm. what the whole point about this movie is surely that we've got a a particular uh, high school year of friends who are uh, oh, Randall yes. and Dante. They're they're about two years out of high school, uh, and those yeah. guys are working. We've got the two girls, both of whom go to college. Uh, -huh. uh well and then we've got uh Jay and Silent Bob and yeah. what's and the, their story are they the same the same year do you think? I think they're all school friends yeah yeah um and they they're so the point is from all this collection and there are a few others around but but from all of this collection it looks like they're all basically middle class kids who have not been long out of school and the boys are all losers and the girls are going to college mhm mm yeah, yeah, pretty much. And wow, I've never thought about that. Being absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, to me, these uh, these boys reminded me of some of the guys I knew from from school. Uh, now, I didn't I didn't maintain an awful lot of contact with uh, my school friends after leaving school, but I did enough to kind of get the message that an awful lot of them did turn into various kinds of losers, including drug dealers and thieves and, you know, people with bum jobs and alcoholics and whatnot. So that did sort of ring true a bit for me, uh, even though mm. they'd all pretty much come from, you know, middle-class backgrounds, much like my own. I don't know. I think most of them did better than me at the time. <laughs> well, you're in Bear's Den. That's different. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so that was, anyway, that was, it was interesting to see this, this sort of attitude because this is, because Randall sort of points out this choice of his to be, you know, just behind the register in a, 
in a crummy uh, <laughs> video store. He actually makes a trip to a better video store <laughs> to go and rent in his own movie. To, in order to rent hermaphrodite <laughs> porn, which is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those two things don't really add up together, do they? Because, uh, but when he's in that store, it's a it's a it's a moment of glory for him. You've got the uh, uh, he falls to his knees and worships with the with some sort of church music or something like that going on. But he's openly contemptuous of um, uh, of, of customers. He just doesn't mm. care, and he makes it clear, and he doesn't care if his boss knows. Mm-hmm. Dante, on the other hand, is trying to see some importance in his responsibilities, and that, which is kind of why he agrees to do the work, even though he doesn't have to. Yeah, kind of why he tries to keep order in the store when the clients are are are, are misbehaving. Um, mm. One of the uh, one of the great for, my, for me the favorite line in the whole movie actually. Is uh, where he he shouts at Jay and Silent Bob for selling drugs in front of the store. He said, "Don't be selling drugs in front of the store." And Randall's uh, and uh, and Jay says, "We're not selling drugs." And Randall says, "You aren't." And <laughs> Jay said, "Well, what you need, my man?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's uh, there's also another wonderful moment when. Um, when he and Randall engage in a very uh, complex discussion about the uh, about um, Star Wars with with another customer, uh, whilst um, Jay is like stealing food out the store and stuffing it in his mouth. <laughs> yes, he's not getting to enjoy very much of of quality or or value, but yeah, no, no, that's a nice that's a nice conversation. I mean, the point there, oh, wonderful, is about um, is is about the politics of labor relations. Yeah, <laughs> in, exactly. In, in the Star Wars context, <laughs> so like in the in the uh, so the question, I can't, I, I don't know my uh, my uh, Star Wars movies very well, but I think it was a question of Return or versus Jedi, which is better, and. Well, I can't get behind the idea that in whichever the one it was of these, the the Death Star was being rebuilt and it wasn't complete yet. There must therefore have been uh, construction workers working on it. And Mm. these construction workers, they weren't fighters. They were just, you know, doing a a job of labor. Uh, Mm. Therefore, for the rebels to destroy the whole thing... They, that was collateral damage that's really unjust, unjustifiable from a, from a moral standpoint. Mm. And then they, <laughs> uh, they ask one of the customers what he thinks about this. He said, well, I'm uh, what was that, a plumber or something. I can't remember. A roofer. Roofer. And he gets offered a job and he gets offered uh, extra money for doing it quickly. And then he realizes that it's a, a mobster's home. No, no, mm-hmm. I won't. I I won't do that. It's too dangerous. I won't get involved with that. That that could that could be a hit, you know. Huh. And so he said. So I referred the job to a friend of mine, and he got killed instead. Yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's awful, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it it is at the end of the day. It's a very moral film. Yes, I mean it's all about friends, isn't it? Don't you think? Or are you going to say something else? Up to a point, but it's also about uh, about not giving up on yourself. It's about keeping on. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, 
uh, Dante emerges from this day visiting one girl in hospital to try and uh, try and maybe help her through the trauma that, uh, that that she's gone through as a result of everything to try and make up something with this girlfriend yeah after a, after a, a quite violent fight with uh, with Randall he uh, they the pair of them decide that actually they clean up the store together and uh, and uh, arrange to meet the next day for lunch he also decides, although that the boss is no long is still in Vermont for the weekend, he decides he's not going to open the store the next day. Yeah, he's got he's got too much important going on, dealing with mm-hmm. uh, you know he's got to go and see the girl in the hospital, and he's got to go and see well Caitlin that is, and he's got and he wants to yeah. go and patch things up with Veronica, so he's going to be yeah. busy. He can't go to work. He's got more important things to do. And also, so, he's uh, it. It kind of looks like he's decided to uh, to start taking care of what's important and get his life together. Maybe, yeah, he may be doing that. But at least the movie is insistent that he needs to. Yeah, right. The movie because throughout. being in the store is beneath his abilities. Yeah, um, and his friends keep telling him. Yeah. And this is why I refer back to it's about friendship. Now, how is he going to move forwards? Ah, He's going to move mm-hmm. forwards with his friends. With the help of his friends. Yes, and, that's true. you know, a girlfriend, whatever. Maybe he'll, um, maybe he'll set something up eventually. Yeah, but if you're going to commit yourself to being a loser, do it with, uh, with an open mind and a clear eye, like, uh, like with, Randall which does. Which Randall does, yeah. yeah. Or indeed, like, um, uh, like Jay and Silent Jay and Bob. Jay Silent Bob, yeah. yeah. They're pretty clear about themselves, it seems. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and Silent Bob only gets to deliver one line, I think, and that's something about not all girlfriends. But are it's, uh, it's the most important line of the, <laughs> of, of the movie, actually, yeah. really. Yeah, which is, I think what I think it was that not, not all girlfriends are going to bring you ver- lasagna at work. Yeah. <laughs> which is important. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It's the, you know, it's the... The great moral of the of the whole movie, I think. I think so too. Yeah, absolutely. So but anyway, I like how the the money limitations of the movie forced it to look a certain way, and I like how they made a virtue out of that. Mm-hmm. The the availability of acting talent as well, I think, was somewhat limited. Mm. I mean, for example, did you notice how? Some of the comedy dialogues were radically unnatural. Yeah. And yet they were delivered in this. So the writing was was kind of unnatural and they were delivered in a style that didn't seem like top notch acting. And yet they were still hilarious. Yeah. So, so there yeah, was. Yeah, kind of, kind there of was, because of that. There was one um, where Randall and Dante were behind the counter. And Dante was doing some sums. He had a calculator and was trying to add up some stuff and write and do some books. And Randall was reading a newspaper. Uh, this mm. is actually the moment where Randall finds the announcement about Caitlin getting married. But mm. that's not the point. For a minute or two, they're having this extremely rapid fire conversation with all these zingers mm. and 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 funny retorts and smart smart words mm-hmm. while they're reading and doing sums it's actually impossible mm. to do that hmm. yeah it's even pretty I'm, hard to act it 
Yeah. In lots of the lots of the moments when uh, when the acting is kind of uh, what you would call well, maybe not so good. Hmm. But the reason why it doesn't appear or disturb you, um, I think, goes back to that Sartre thing about um, people acting like what they think is supposed to be the version of themselves. Do you know what I mean? No, I don't know which sort of thing you're referring to. Uh, it's uh, it's something from being a nothingness when he's sitting in a, a on the central themes when he was sitting in a cafe writing, and he suddenly noticed that the that the waiter wasn't actually being himself; he was being somebody else's idea of what a waiter should be. That's right. Yeah, I remember now. And uh, particularly, you know, when, when people get into arguments, they, they don't actually act often naturally, normally, like they, like, they, they, like they should do because they're angry. They act, uh, they become this character that they think you have to be in order to win an argument. Yeah. I'm and not there's sure. the... <clears throat> it's a confusing yeah, thing, though, isn't it? Because, I mean, in what way is that not not natural or not normal if people if that's what people do but i mean i acknowledge yeah. i acknowledge they do this mm. yeah well it, there's certainly the there's the there's uh that's probably why uh the the acting in some of the sort of substandard acting in this doesn't disturb you as much as it would in something else is because uh it's 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 how people actually act in situations like that. Yeah, maybe. I I think it carries. It's carried by the quality of the comedy. It just continues mm. to be really good fun, even though when you even though you've got this weirdness going on. I mean, the, I think I think the you know with respect to the cameras, the lighting, the sets, yeah. the costumes, and so forth. These these are all sort of imposed on the film because they didn't have any money. Uh, mm. So they were, you know, they took the camera they've got inside a grocery store. And, mm. well, there's only so many ways you can set up a shot there. Yeah. Same thing with doing an outdoor shot at night. Uh, these are these uh. are all a bit limited. So you end up with what you end up because of those constraints. And then yeah. somehow with enough bravura from the team, uh, they they work with that, make a... Make a mm -hmm. That's right. Well, they make a, a, a virtue out of the weirdness that der, that comes from it. Yeah. So, for example, yes. the, so for example, this movement of the camera. You know, if you had two cameras, then you could have mm. close-up shots of both people and still act it out as one scene, as one mm -hmm. take, and that acting as one take adds to the thrill of of, of I think of of, of films anyway. When mm. you've got too many edits. It all comes across as a bit more plastic. Mm. Um, yeah, that's true. But the, <clears throat> but with, I've only got one camera, but we're going to do this quickly, as and you're going to yeah. act out the whole scene. Maybe half of it is yeah. improvised. I don't know, but then that movement of the camera is a necessary part of it. And well, well, we'll just make make the most of it and right, yeah, make it damn well work. Yeah, you know, I think these things uh, are, are, are fine. 
Uh, so, you know, Clerks was made uh, with a cast that was made up with, with one or two uh, proper actors. Yeah. And um, the rest were, some of them were, were even like friends of these, of these guys. Yeah. You know. In a way, also, um, obviously, Gentleman Broncos had a, a bigger budget. But if you go through the list of, of actors, yes, there are some, you know, there are some names. But as you, if you look carefully, most people in that movie um, did something else as well. There's um, there's people who were who acted in one or two things, but were also showrunners, mm-hmm. or were mostly uh, acting in theatre, or were also um, you know production assistants and stuff like that. Well, there are only a few significant talking parts, and then an awful lot of of others. You know, people in a chorus, people in a mm. church, people at the uh, in the classrooms. People and and we got close ups of them. We got to and they all they were I think they were all meant to look pretty weird. Um, so I you know I, uh, I maybe didn't take an awful lot of acting school mm. to do those parts. It's kind of interesting because of course uh, indie filmmaking sooner or later influences mainstream filmmaking. One way or another, you know? yes. Yeah. And the two the two films are ten years apart. Yeah, I over have, ten years. Yeah, I, I can't remember seeing anything that looked quite like Clark's. But uh, well, have you seen any of the um, sequels to Clark's? No, I haven't. Yeah, no. Me neither. I've been quite careful not to see them. I I, I rather suspect that that will be a disappointment. I don't know. They they have very good reviews. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. We'd have to we'd have to see. But yeah. So, what's the connection between these movies? I haven't. I can't remember. Can you? Well, I don't know. This was uh, this is the first time that we've uh, curated this together. One each. Yeah. I suggested a movie each. I mean, the way I remember it was, you said gentlemen broncos and i went and had a quick look at trailers and i enjoyed the goofy look of the uh, of the sci-fi oh. sequences um and i thought oh yeah this is kind of godzilla kind of daftness i could enjoy that but i don't know how that led me to clark's i, don't I think see the it connection. is a pretty good double bill though well at least you get some chuckles from one of them hmm you don't have to be in well, Brazil in a hotel room in Brazil I, for the other. Yeah. <laughs> but it does help, believe me. <laughs> yes, I can actually see how that does help. Yes, I can. Because, you know, when you're stuck in a hotel room in Brazil and, you know, you're kind of too tired to go out and be a tourist, but not quite ready to go to sleep, you put on the TV and you're stuck. I like that weirdness. That weirdness could work. <laughs> 